1: PJ we were just kind of joking about this sometimes you see very obvious quote unquote obvious plays in baseball that you almost don't want to make because it feels like they're too obvious but if they're so obvious and all of the numbers point in one direction why would you not make that bet like it feels the same to me as the things that people call quote unquote basic like basic girl season means pumpkin spice lattes it means going to target and i list all these things and i'm like well all of these sound things sound amazing like why do people knock them i don't care if everybody else does these things if i personally like them I'm going to do it. And if everybody's on the Dodgers run line today, I don't care because I like it. Do you ever feel that way about square bets?
0: All the time. I think it's the toughest thing I probably deal with on a day-to-day basis in betting is just like, Chelsea, as crazy as it is, there are times where I would rather bet and be a contrarian and be wrong even when I know it's probably like the wrong side, than to bet something that I know everybody's going to be on just because it looks like too obvious. Like that's just the way like in my head, because I know that when I go the obvious route and I go like, even though the line is this and it doesn't make any sense and I know that I should bet the line that doesn't make any sense, I'm just going to bet the other side because, like, how can they not cover that three-point spread? Like, it just doesn't. And it, like, always loses. Like, it always does. And then, you know, so I've just decided that, you know what, I'd rather lose a bet and go with the side that even though doesn't look like the one you should take, I'm going to take it anyways, rather than take the one that, everybody's probably going to be on and if it hits then you know what so be it but that's it's it's what I struggle with and I think it's what's the toughest part of of betting honestly
1: I think this is a very tough part of our specific job as prognosticators because if we come on here and say you know the chiefs are gonna win the afc west is anybody gonna bat an eye no and if they win the afc west people will say well duh any idiot could have predicted that but if you go out on a limb and you pick some team that nobody's picking and you happen to get it right even though you were just guessing you look like a genius Do you ever find yourself in that predicament where you try to lead yourself down a road where maybe you yourself don't have like a ton of confidence in it but you know it's kind of like building a parlay like yeah parlays are long shots and we advised against them but if they hit though doesn't that feel amazing Like that, I think, is one of the toughest parts of our job, because I always try to be honest, like I'm just going to wear my heart on my sleeve. If I like something, I like it. If I don't, I don't like I'm not going to like play this game of chess where I'm like, well, if I get it right, like think about all the glory. Uh, Do you ever find yourself thinking about those type of things?
0: I do. I do. Yeah. And it's funny you said that. I know we're going to talk about college football here coming up, but one of the teams that I think is going to make the college football playoff is a long shot that I don't think many people are going to have in there. And we can talk about that next segment, but it's like, yeah, I had people text me yesterday. Like, what are you doing? You know, but I'm not going to take the four teams that everybody's taken. Like I'm not going to pick Georgia, Michigan, USC like I'm not gonna pick all four of those teams because even though two will make it even though probably three will make it like the same four teams that everybody's gonna pick don't make it every single year so it's it's what I struggle with because you know the more and more experience you get with sports betting I just feel like personally I like betting numbers and not teams right like these people in Vegas that set odds are a lot smarter and know a lot more than I ever will so if they have a feeling about certain things if certain money is pouring in on a side there has to be a reason we were talking about that Commanders Ravens game the other day like I'm gonna bet the Commanders Chelsea a hundred times out of a hundred in a scenario like that like clearly the Ravens minus one was too good to be true and you know what if they ended up winning that game last night which they very easily could have then you know what, congrats, take my money, we chalk it up as a loss and we'll get them next time. But that's that's just how I bet, and that's the way it is. Because as you know, in this business, if you win 55% of your bets, you're considered elite. Like really, really good. And I mean, think about that. Like 55% is just over like half of your bets. Like it doesn't seem like it's that much, but it's like incredibly good. So I think a lot of times we have to remember how hard this is, how sometimes the easiest bets are the ones that you end up losing. And, you know, you try and learn as much as you can with each bet.
1: Well, I'll say this as well. If you're hitting 55% on minus 110 bets because you got to be careful in baseball not everything is minus 110 right and so if you are laying juice over minus 110 you are going to have to hit your bets at a much higher rate in order to break even a little you know tidbit on betting which i'm sure most people don't want to go into the weeds on but something to remember and i should specify there's a difference between a square quote-unquote square bet that you have good reasoning behind and there's no like line movement going against it, and there are the bets that you feel one way and then you see the line movement and it's going completely opposite of what you think, then is when I have some pause. Like I am talking about like two good examples. We were talking about the Dodgers run line, fading Noah Syndergaard, banking on the Dodgers who have been excellent on the run line this season. We know it's kind of a square bet, but there's no reverse line movement right now that is signaling Mm -hmm. against it. Last night in the Commanders game, We saw strong reverse line movement where all of the money was on the Ravens, but yet the line kept inching shorter and shorter. So those are two very like different examples of kind of the same deal that we are talking about with quote unquote square bets when to play them and when to step back and say okay there is a big red flag standing in my way maybe i should reconsider so let's try to look at all the factors in the rest of these baseball games and see if we can pick some winners and uh stay away from some of the square bets so let's go to the red Sox and the astros we have boston plus 125 houston minus 150 Total of eight and a half. Tanner Hawk gets the ball for the Red Sox. He's three and six, 505 ERA. Justin Verlander throws for the Strohs. He is eight and six with a 336 ERA. So the quote unquote square play in this one would be to say, Justin Verlander is the much better pitcher here. The Astros are the better team. So, PJ, is this bet a just a square play, or do you think there is any reasoning behind backing the Stros behind Justin Verlander?
0: I think there's some reasoning for backing the Stros. Uh, it, it definitely is going to be square. I think most people are going to be on Houston minus 150, but I think it's for good reason. They just got swept mm-hmm. by Seattle. And they can kind of smell blood right now. Chelsea, like the Rangers have lost five in a row. The AL West is right there for the taking. We have three teams separated by two games. The Mariners are only two games back of Texas. So Houston can really sense, like, this is their time. Not only can they sense that the Rangers are starting to slip, but they're battling in the AL wildcard as well. And Boston is one of those teams that they're battling. So they know the importance of these games. They traded for Justin Verlander, obviously. They gave up their best prospect in their farm system. So this is why you go out and get Justin Verlander. You're at home. You're playing against a team that you're battling for in a wild card race. These are games that you need to win. So I like Houston in this spot. I think getting swept at home by Seattle was a wake-up call for them. I think we were buying a little high on Boston because they just swept the Yankees, but as we all know, the Yankees are playing like one of the worst teams in baseball right now. Obviously a step up in class playing Houston. Red Sox were up 3-0 yesterday, Chelsea, in the top of the first. They jumped right on him. Mm. Houston didn't panic. They scored the next seven runs. They won 9-4 yesterday. That That is what makes the Houston Astros what they are because they've been in these spots a million times. They don't panic. They know how to win this time of the year. So I, I love Houston tonight, minus 150.
1: I like them as well. It's at a price where I am just on the cusp of wanting to vet it or trying to find maybe a little plus money and go for the run line. But still, I think I'm going to roll with the money line here just because... It makes me a little nervous to lay the run line with the home favorites. We know this is something I talk about on the show all the time because, you know, if it comes down to the ninth inning, they do not play the bottom of the ninth if the Astros are only ahead by one run. But I don't like the pitching matchup here for the Red Sox. Tanner Hawk has not been that great this year. I don't think he fares well against this Houston offense that's been very good over the last month. Fifth in all of baseball when it comes to OPS in the last month. So I'll go with the Stros here at minus 150. It's not my favorite bet of the card. I do think it's a little juicy, but still I'll roll with the Strohs behind Verlander, who's been pretty solid for them this season. Next up, let's go to the Rangers in the Diamondbacks. Texas plus 105, Arizona minus 125. Total eight and a half here. John Gray facing Zach Gallen. Zach Allen 13-5 this season with a 317 ERA. But the stat here to remember is that Zach Allen at home has been an absolute wagon, ten and one this season with an ERA below two. PJ, are you hopping aboard the Zach Allen train and taking the Diamondbacks in a some way, shape, form, or fashion?
0: Took the words right out of my mouth. Right when Zach Allen's pitching, the first thing you look at is to see if he's at home or if he's on the road. Ten and one with the one point eight two ERA at home. Three and four with the 4.6 ERA on the road. Guys, the favorite right now to win the NL Cy Young, which I think is important in a game like this because you're going up against one of the best offenses in baseball. Your team is battling for a wild card spot. These are the kind of games that when voters are deciding who should win the Cy Young award, these are kind of the games that they look at. Texas lost a heartbreaker last night, Chelsea. They're up 1 0 going into the bottom of the ninth. Chapman blows the save. They're up 3-1 to one in the 10th. They lose 4-3. to three. As I mentioned, they've lost five straight games. Texas is really struggling. Now you have to face one of the best pitchers in baseball who's almost unbeatable at home. I think you have to take Arizona tonight, minus 125. I maybe even like them first five, right, just because maybe you don't trust the Arizona bullpen late in the game. I think you trust Gallen get you through the first five. So maybe that's the way you attack this game tonight. But uh, I do think Arizona ends up getting the win.
1: I think so as well, and I did look at the first five because I hate trusting bullpens in general, and this is the case for Arizona. So it is priced a little heavier. If you're on the dime backs in the first five, I believe they're minus 135 last time I checked in the first five, but that's the way to go for me, uh, especially since Zach Allen has done well against some really good offenses because that's what you have to look at. It's not just how good a pitcher is, but how he fares against some of the best offenses in baseball when you are facing one of the best offenses in baseball. Did face the Rangers back on May 2nd. Gave up three earned runs over five innings of work. So it's not like he was dominant. But also he's had good starts against the Braves. Six innings, three runs, which qualifies as a quality start because only two of those were earned uh, with six strikeouts. So I think I trust Zach Gallen a little bit more in this one. So I will go with the Dimebacks in the first five innings to play. Uh, Next up, let's go to the Mariners and the White Sox. Seattle minus 155. Chicago plus 125. Total eight. and a half Brian Wu facing Mike Clevenger the Mariners are red hot PJ do we continue to ride the M's until the wheels fall off
0: I think we do I mean maybe if there was a team that we thought was capable of beating them or if we saw a situational spot that was good maybe you would think about fading Seattle and maybe it's just that easy we obviously started the segment talking about kind of games like this where is it too easy like Seattle's obviously going to be a very trendy pick tonight I just don't know how you can bat, uh, how you can bat Chicago. They, they've obviously been such a disappointment here this season. They traded away a bunch of their best players. They've really struggled here in the second half of the season. And Seattle, as we mentioned, I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They've been rolling, and they just keep looking up each and every day. And they're gaining ground on Texas and Houston in the AL West. I think that continues. So I like Seattle tonight, minus 155.
1: I like Seattle, but it's not going to make the card for me at that price just because Brian Wu is not Luis Castillo. And it is built into the price because last night the Mariners were huge favorites. I think they were uh, over – they were probably minus 210, I believe. Minus I
0: think, yeah like that yeah it was close
1: to two to one you know so or two dollars I should say uh but but with Brian Wu pitching I think I'm out uh just because he is somebody who's one and three with a four seven five ERA uh Mike Clevenger is somebody at least who has a lot of big league experience but it it, it starts and ends for me with uh what we've seen from the Chicago offense it's not been good for this offense Offense. They have been bottom five in most statistical categories over the last month. Also, one of the higher strikeout prone teams in all of baseball over the last month as well. So, you can't trust the White Sox bats. So, I'm not going to. I think this game is a stay away game for me simply because of the price. And then finally, it looks like we got one more game Giants Phillies. You got to play here, PJ, before we get to break.
0: I do Chelsea. So Kyle Harrison is making his major league debut for the Giants. Anytime a pitcher is making their major league debut. I love taking the your just because those first three outs are so hard to get. You're obviously facing some of the best hitters in the order for the opposite team. We had this last night St. Louis starter making his MLB debut. He gave up two runs. I think Harrison gives one up tonight. I like the your in Phillies.
1: It's not a baseball segment until somebody plays a nerfie. Or a <laughs> urfi. For more, listen to the daily tip presented by BetMGM weekday mornings from six to nine Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.